Hello and welcome to the pep talk. You're here with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason. We're here to recap the very odd Lester match and uh, do a little bit of transfer talk as well, you know, with some recent developing news. Um, so, Jason, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad, man. A um, little bit on the tired side. Woke up at 2.30 in the morning uh, to watch the Leicester game. Um, and it was an interesting game, I'd say. Very, very interesting game. Game of A perfect game of two halves is what you'd call it. Um, but it seemed, you know, City had an eye on um, on the uh, on the Champions League semi-final, uh, quarter-final game, I should say, against Bayern. So maybe that had, that was the main thing in mind, I guess. Yeah, a win's a win. So what did you think of the lineup? Like, were you, I mean, because it was like, it was rotated, but it wasn't fully rotated. So is that kind of what you were expecting? Um, I was pretty happy with it. The only strange one I thought was Alvarez not starting. So outside of that, I didn't really think there was anything wrong with the lineup. I thought we'd go strong because in, in my mind, I was like, go strong this game, get the Leicester win, sub out, do some early subs, which we did, um, and then go into the buying game and then rotate for the FA Cup semifinal. But based on how the second half went, I don't know how well we can rotate in the semifinal anyway. So, look, it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. But, yeah, the only thing that surprised me was the Alvarez. Yeah, no, Alvarez starting. But otherwise, I was pretty happy. Like, Laporte starting was good. Walker starting was good. Um, Mara starting was good. And then, basically, the, the rest of the team picked itself. We, we're running a very thin team. I know some people might have said, you know, why is Phillips not starting? We're not giving Rodri a proper rest. But in reality, I think... Um, I think we saw why Phillips wasn't starting. <laughs> yeah, basically, right? So when he came on, the game changed um, for the worst. But we'll talk about that in a bit. You know, we'll try to tie that into maybe a bit of transfer talk as well. Um, because, yeah, look, I don't know, man. Phillips is starting to worry me. Every time he plays, I'm just like, is he City's level? Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I was surprised Alvarez didn't start for Kevin De Bruyne. But also, like, Pep said in one of his most recent press conferences that it's good to play every three days just to have the rhythm. And, like, De Bruyne's getting subbed off at 60 minutes every game anyways, it seems like. So, if you think about it, like, it's not as bad. Like, I thought he would just because he looked like – he looked dead when he came off against Bayern. And so I thought, okay, this will be a good time to give him a rest. But, you know, one thing we kind of trust is Pep with the with the sports science group on just kind of rest in general. And what was nice about this game in particular is that it didn't really take a ton of effort for them in the first half. And so when most of the big guys got subbed off, like it wasn't super taxing on their bodies. It, more or less looked like a like they were on the training pitch. So um that's nice as well. Um and you saw I mean like De Bruyne looked fine. Like he looked great. So Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm it's just gonna, nice to get him some rhythm, get him off at sixty minutes and yeah. move on. No no disrespect. I'm just glad Leicester suck. <laughs> like, yeah, they stink. 
like we like that first half was from minute one to minute 45 was like absolute domination it, like the entire half was just full city like i think our center backs were almost basically on the um on the edge of their box like it was complete suffocation from minute one and you know D- dean smith the new manager there just basically just took on all the pressure. He, he, they had no answer to us in that first half. They didn't even try to press or do anything. Um, so, yeah. And that's why it was really weird. Like, that's why the formation was weird. Because, of course, this is like another reason why Pep is a genius, in case we didn't already know that, is it's like he knew what they were going to do from the beginning and that's their first game with Dean Smith as a coach because or at least he had he probably had some contingency plans even if they were to change it up but like cities they didn't even really have a build up because Leicester didn't pressure them at all yeah. and like you said like we were just playing in their half the entire time so instead of like the 3-2 build up it was a 3-1 because it just didn't like Kyle Walker played high and wide, basically like a right winger. And the formation was essentially like a 3-1-6 because there was no worry about them having to counterattack and them coming to pressure the four guys at the back. So it looked like Diaz, Laporte, and Stones, and then Rodri right in front of them. And every once in a while, somebody would drop a little deeper to help, but like, that was it was a three one six formation, and I guess the way to the way to beat a back five is to have six in your front line. So I guess there you go. <laughs> yeah, look, it, yeah, they they I, it's one of those games. You just go, you know what? I'm happy to take this. <laughs> we've we've been dealing with high pressure. Like even Southampton was pressuring us um, all the way up and you know, pressing the midfield up. So to have a game like this where we can just sit on the on the edge of the opponent's box for. I'd say sixty minutes. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy to take that. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that was great. And like 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 we were just saying is this is much better for our team who needs some rest. Like exactly. even though it's another game, when you have the ball the whole time, that's fine. Like that's that's really not doing much. Like that's that's more or less a training exercise and. Honestly, this team kind of reminded me of when we used to play Watford every year and beat them like 5 0. <laughs> because that team would always like defend deep, but they were terrible at defending deep. And that's what this team was like. Like they were terrible at defending. But they like they tried to defend deep. It was it was very odd. And so I'm looking at the was, average was, positioning right now. Just on Watford, was was the last time we played Watford, was it the 8-0 or was it the FA Cup final? Was it 8 or 9? Nah, we never hit 9. I know it was 8, but was it the 8-0 game or was it the FA Cup final game that we last played it? Um, Probably. one. I don't know. (laughs) That FA Cup final, wasn't it like 6-0 or something too or 6-1? 6-0. Yeah. So, same thing. So, I'm looking at the average positioning and basically... Like, because the average positioning when you see it on whoscored.com has all of the starters. Bernardo, once Phillips came in, Bernardo came next to him to kind of help him out. So Bernardo's positioning is a little back because 
for a quarter of the game, a third of the game, he was playing back. But he was really high, like, in the beginning. And then everyone else is on the, almost on the same level. Like, Holland and De Bruyne are basically on top of each other. Grealish is that high. Mar is that high. And Kyle Walker is that high. So it essentially, like, it basically was like a 3-1-6 formation. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, let's talk about the goals because they came quick and fast. Which is which is good to see. We haven't we haven't had um, a few early goals in a while. I'd say usually we we've been a second half team this season. I think that's fair to say. So for them for these goals to come like thick and fast, nice and early, you know, takes the pressure off, allowed Pep to do the subs that he needed to do, um, let us get that rest that we needed, as he said as well. Um, but yeah, let's start with Stones, man. What a banger, <laughs> John Johnny fucking Stones, man. That was like an incredible goal. And it was nice that it came from a set piece. I feel like we we don't score a lot of set pieces this year. So that yeah, was strange. really nice to see. Because last season we were bloody fantastic at set pieces. I don't know what happened this season, but we're not. The crosses either haven't been good or we just haven't had a good ball. <laughs> I remember reading something. It's like when we, when we have a corner, it's more likely to end up in a chance on the other end rather than a chance for us. So it, it's good to get a set piece goal, that's for sure. You know what's funny is you think this year would be the year that we're really good at set pieces too because we have a bunch of tall dudes on the team. Like we play four center backs who are all good in the air. Like Ake is the shortest one and he's very good in the air. So you have four center backs. You have Rodri who's 6'3". You have Holland who's 6'4". And yet we're still like not scoring much in the box. Or at least from the from the set pieces. Yeah, I think it comes from the delivery. I, I don't think we've had very good delivery into the box this season in, in comparison to last last season. Last season, we used yeah. to do that, that little short cross and then Roger would run knee post and just tap it in with the, you know, the side of his head. He hasn't done that much this season. I think, how many goals does Roger have this season? One? He scored one of those. Was it against Aston Villa? Maybe. He, there was one, I believe it was against Aston Villa, where he had one of those near post ones and it snuck in the post inside of Martinez, I believe. I think I just saw it. Um, yeah, but, but other I'm, than that, no. Yeah, we no, haven't been, that, we haven't been that. We haven't been that good at set paces for sure. No, and so and that. Speaking of expected goals, you want to know what the expected goals was for that John Stones shot. 0.03. That's that's a guess. 0.02. <laughs> so you were close. close that isn't close. like that was a great goal. Um, yeah. I, and like you said, like we've started to get some more early goals than we have most of the season. So it was really good, and I think it was really needed for us to just just relax. jump jump on them from the beginning yeah. and then just kind of coast. Yeah. Semi coast the rest of the game, um, because like we the last thing we wanted was for this to be a tight one and to use a ton of energy and for our guys not to get a lot of rest, and so I'm really glad it, that's not what happened. Especially because Rodri started as well, so. Um, but you can tell, you know, Rodri came off what fifty something minute, fifty one, I think, or fifty two. Rodri came off very early because. Yeah, 55th minute he came off. And it was funny because I think I saw – I forgot who I saw tweet this. I think it was Joe Butterfield, a 
Um, but he said, <laughs> you know, it's disrespectful to Lester when Calvin Phillips is coming on in the 55th minute. <laughs> so that's the most, that's the most disrespectful thing you could do to Lester. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> um, Second goal penalty for sure. Yeah, that was a hundred percent a penalty. Yeah. I, I don't think like that was yeah. The, the only anybody time who's th- trying to argue that just come on. Yeah, the only time I thought it wouldn't be a penalty, I'm like, this is this if this is not a penalty, it's just like the typical Premier League shenanigans when it comes to not calling a penalty when they should call a penalty. And I'm just like, it's like clear as day. His hand is extended away from his body, and it stopped the cross going into the box. It doesn't get more clear than this. Like, yeah, and it wasn't like in super close proximity either. He was no, the second no, no. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, look, he probably stopped a good chance because Grealish put a nice cross in, but you know the hand just. <laughs> and then Harlan's penalty finish, sublime as usual. Straightens. Yeah, literally hit the corner person and bounced in. So it's so nice to have a guy that can walk up there and you're still and you're pretty confident that he can score the penalty. Because oh, like I've, I don't I've, think he's missed one this. this year. No, he hasn't. I've, I've missed this. Oh, he's gonna miss the Champions League final. But don't worry. Um, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I'm putting that video on. Um, nah, but look, he, he's when he steps up to the penalty spot, you don't you don't feel um, like I, I'm confident all the time when he steps up, and it's rare to have that in a City player. Not, not I think we're a little jaded because of it. Yeah, but the last few years. <laughs> I, I haven't felt scared like since, still, but. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't felt like this since Yaya Toure. So, I, and Haaland's percentage, penalty percentage, um, in his career is about ninety-five percent penalty conversion rate, which is really, really high. Right, and you'd be surprised yeah, how you'd be surprised how low other players are. So, like Aguero was like seventy-four percent on his career. Um, the I think the average is between seventy-five and eighty percent. Yeah, like, that's yeah. that's the the average throughout. World soccer because like the, the XG is when you, 0.75 for a penalty, right? So it's 0.76. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, depending it's, on the metric, it's between 0.75 and 0.8. Yeah. Yeah. Which means basically every penalty has a 75% chance of going in, right? So for Haaland to have a 95% conversion rate, you know he's a fucking clinical penalty taker. Like he's so clinical at penalties. Which is great. It's fantastic for us. Like we haven't had, like we literally haven't had a penalty take like this in so long. Yeah, because like penalty taking is a completely different skill. Like Messi's not great at it, and I think he's the greatest footballer ever. And like, yeah, he he takes penalties, but it's not a huge surprise when he misses. Yeah. And then you look at somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't remember the last time he's missed a penalty. Like he just he and he like buries it perfectly every time, going a million miles an hour. And same with like. Mo Salah makes missed, every penalty except the last two. <laughs> he's, he's missed the last two. He's actually not, like, to be fair to Mo Salah and to Liverpool, Fabinho is actually a better penalty taker. Salah's been taking him because he's been in a consistent run of penalty shots and he's their top scorer, so they've just been giving it to him. But Fabinho is actually a better actual penalty taker. He's got a better conversion rate. Well, Salah, I, like, the, I, the thing I like about him is, like, He's already fast, and he runs up there super fast and just blasts it. So, like, even if the keeper guesses right, then they have to make an incredible save, too. Yeah, that's. I think that's probably the best way to shoot a penalty anyway. Like, Kane, Kane's pretty good at that as well, with the way he blasts it. Um, Harlan, Harlan seems similar as well. He seems to, like, either blast it 
like always in the bottom corner, always in one of the corners. You just blast the trains at the corner, which makes it very, very difficult for the keeper to save. So I think the last couple of penalties he's taken, the keepers actually jumped the right way, but he just has, he can't get there because it's just physically impossible, which is probably the best way to take a penalty, right? Is if you're if it becomes physically impossible for you to get to the ball before it rolls into the net, then it doesn't really matter what you do as a keeper. Yeah, I like he has a good mix of placement and power because he doesn't like blame it into the upper 90 like Ronaldo or Salah would do. He's more like he'll place it into the corner and it's like perfectly placed much of the time. And it's got more than enough power to where the keeper just can't get to it. Like, yeah, it's a good mix of placement and power because you usually can't do both perfectly. You have to just choose one. But no, it's good. It's good to have a. A penalty taker that can do that, to be honest, like fantastic to see. Um, two 0 up, confident. <laughs> Felt like the game was yeah. over. Two 0 Yeah, at that point, I'm like, all right, let's just score one or two more and close up. Ride shot. the horse. Yeah, ride the horses on out of there. Like job. Like, and they just look like they had nothing, anyways. You know, like it. It didn't look like they were even threatening. We were just doing whatever we wanted. And yeah, it was just like, just go get another goal and. Well, we did get another goal. An- well, we did get another goal. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne assists to Haaland. Another great finish. Another great run. Another great touch from Haaland. What were your thoughts on the goal? Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, like the the amount. Like this is what I don't understand is when people say like. Finishing is not a skill. Like, getting into those positions to finish is a skill. Like, no, they're both skills in different ways. Because you know who was really good at getting in positions to finish? Raheem Sterling. But you know who wasn't a good finisher? Raheem Sterling. So, like, that says something. Because, like, for example, a run like that is something that you would see somebody like Jesus or Sterling made, but he wouldn't – like, they wouldn't finish it off. And that's one thing that's really good about Holland is – his like awareness and spatial awareness to make runs is perfect. But then also his finishing, like he just like casually just chips the goalie there. Like it was nothing. And he, he started running away. He didn't even look at the ball going. Like he just knew it was going in and he started running away and celebrating before that even happened. So, you know, I think we've talked enough about Holland and just everything (laughs) he does. Amazing. But here's just another one. And like, Shocking Leicester defending. Like you have you have three center backs and you just let De Bruyne just wide open right through all of them and Holland just gets the chip chip your keeper. Like that's to, to be incredibly fair, poor defending. To be fair, to give Haaland credit, all right. If you notice what he did with his run, he actually ran the opposite way, then done his typical Haaland esque pivot, and then he ran the other way. So he was actually running inside of the center back, and then he like done a sl- he does that slight turn. It's like he picks up full speed and then turns, and then suddenly he's running into open space. And then Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne, is gonna find him. But then on top of that, he actually done a fantastic touch from the pass to kick it even more forward, and then he was just ahead of everyone. He actually done a fantastic move, and and, th- and this is something on top of the finishing and the positioning that Haaland does. He's his ability to find space is amazing. And you don't notice unless you actually pay attention to it. And he found that space really, really, really well. And then he done that little tap to 
get even more space. And then the keeper basically had to rush out. Otherwise, Haaland's going to get a basically open goal. Um, and then, yeah, another fantastic finish by Haaland, as always. Like, his, his finishing is just something else, honestly. It, it's crazy. That's, it's his 30-second goal in the Premier League, right? He's, he's He's equaled Mohamed Salah's record of 32 goals, and he's got eight games left to play. Yeah, the only record he has left is Alan Shearer and Andy Cole at 34, and they played in a 42-game season. That's so, right. um, and he's going to, I mean, he'll shatter both, so it's not I'm, like it matters. I'm, I'm hoping he hits 40, <clears throat> I'm hoping he hits 40 Premier League goals because I've got a, I put $10 on <laughs> at the beginning of the season for him to, to hit 40, 40 plus goals in the Premier League. And it's paying fifteen hundred dollars, so that would that would be nice. <laughs> that yeah, that would be pretty nice. Yeah, I should man, I should have done something like that. I, I got shaking. decent odds on City to win the league, and, and a couple different prop odds like that halfway through the season. But that was it. No, I was shaking my fist at um at um uh, at Pep when he subbed him off at halftime. Like, give me some more goals, man. <laughs> Need to get close to forty. <laughs> and Leicester, look, Leicester, they could have. Honestly, if I think we had a week rest between this game and another game, and we didn't have Bayern Munich at midweek, we're scoring. Probably could have gotten two. Yeah, he probably could have gotten a couple more. We're scoring five plus this game, but with everything in mind, it's obviously it's just like yeah, like once that third goal goes in, yeah, it was over. Like it was just like okay, ride the wave. I think I think we stopped shooting from that point forward. I think we probably had like three or four shots for the rest of the game from the after that Harlan goal, which tells you everything yeah, once, at, which tells you everything about the game and everything about what's happening around the season. So, yeah, once that Harlan goal went in, according to understat.com, we were at one point four nine xg, and we finished at one point six one. So it's and yeah. there was maybe a couple shots that weren't really super high quality. So yeah, yeah. essentially, and, and, like we just stopped trying. So that twenty, that point two xg was those four shots outside of the box. I think Maris took a couple. One of them, yeah, point one two. <laughs> yeah, probably one of them should have been a goal. To be fair, it was a great shot by Maris. And then the rest of um, and the, I think that Grealish had a couple before he got subbed off. But otherwise, there was no other shots. It was basically okay. Let's just you know play tiki taka in the back and ride out, ride out the game and finish it off. And that's basically the summary of the game up until we did. We put our second team on, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah, up until about the 70th minute. Yeah. So, um, for the subs, Calvin Phillips got subbed on in the 55th minute. Um, Cole Palmer got subbed on in the 64th minute. Sergio Gomez got subbed on in the 77th minute. And Julian Alvarez got subbed on at halftime. So, those were the... And Akanji got subbed on at halftime. So... You know our squad's Basically, thin when you're subbing in Sergio Gomez for Grealish, right? Yeah, and like, like with, that's kind of we, we've got one injury. We, <laughs> yeah, we used to see that. Um, remember when we brought back Angelino and we thought he could be a left back for us, and we learned very quickly that he couldn't. So then, any time he would get any playing time until he was loaned out in December was at left wing. Because he just couldn't play left back. He just wasn't good enough. And yeah. so that's what it reminds me of. It's like, let's just, uh, when Sergio Gomez goes in, it's just to give Grealish a rest. And Sergio Gomez can't, like, 
you know, one thing to say about Sergio Gomez is he's played basically every position on the pitch, um, like throughout his career. So sure. Throw him in at left wing. Um, but yeah, it's like once the 70th minute went on, like they had a pretty good chance in the 70th minute. Then they had a couple minutes later, they had their goal, which was, uh, obviously a really good chance. And then they had a couple other really good chances at the end. Uh, very good Ederson save. I love how he's listening to all the haters. Yeah. Now. Look, <laughs> if, if, if there were better finishes, the game literally could have ended three all. Yeah. Oh yeah. Easily. We, we, like I said, in the beginning of this podcast, luckily less is trash. No disrespect to lesser. They are trash, but if they weren't trash, that game literally could have ended three all. After we made all those subs. And that's worrying for the rest of the season. We've, we've still got, potentially, if we get through Bayern Munich and we make the FA Cup final, we have 13 games left of the season in a space of a month and a half. A lot of games. I'm not as worried as you, honestly, because like... Right now I'm not because we don't have any injury problems. Like besides Foden, once Foden's back, we've got a fully, foot, fully fit squad. But... We're going to have to rotate. I think we will. Like, I think we've done a pretty good job of having guys rotating even now. Like, remember a couple weeks ago, Kevin De Bruyne rested a couple games because he wasn't playing well. So now he's coming back and he's playing 60 minutes every three days. And, you know, Holland's young. He can play the minutes, but he still gets subbed on in the 60th minute. Alvarez has all the energy in the world. You know, Rodri is getting subbed off in most games, which is good. Uh, so, like, we're we're getting some more rest that, that we think, and it'll be better, obviously, next season, it seems like. But um, for now, to, to honestly, maybe- I'm not as concerned because these guys kind of know what's coming, and especially in the back line. The back line, there's so many ways to – the back, line, I'm not cons- that back line. the back line I'm not that concerned about. It's it's the to be fair, it's it's probably the midfield. So like Rod if Rodri is not if like if Rodri's not playing, we are a different team. And the drop off is enormous. And I think maybe we can segue this into a little bit of um Calvin Phillips talk, but you know, we we, we paid forty five billion pounds for a player that's meant to come in and help Rodri get rest, put a bit of challenge in. Man, he does not look, does not look good. Does not look good when he comes on. And the team changes when he comes on into the, to the fact, and you can say like how the game changed. And maybe, maybe if Phillips started the game with every other starter that started, it could have been a little bit different. But the quality drop-off between Rodri and Phillips is day and night. It's day and night. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with him because I do think he's like he has the quality to be good for City. I I truly think that the there must be just something going on whether he's just taking longer to grasp the concepts or what it is. But like he also looks like I remember at Leeds he was like their destroyer in midfield. Like That's he kind of looked like their Fernandinho, and yeah. now he looks so slow. Like. He looks at, and Rodri, like, that's how Rodri looked in the beginning, too. And Rodri, like, I think Rodri's gotten quicker 
but also like he he's been able to read the game more. So his it may just be fantastic. down to that. His positioning. What? Is, sorry, Rogers yeah, position. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. And so maybe that's what it is with Phillips, and Phillips is just going to take longer to to adjust, or maybe it's something else that we don't know about. But like he's his quality is there. Like you can see it. He can deliver. He can spray passes. His passing range is incredible. He can make any pass. Um, so I, I just don't know what's going on with him. Like, I don't know whether it's just like the first season and he's just having a tougher first season than most guys. I don't know if it's something where he comes in and just something's wrong with him and maybe city want him out the summer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the the first season it doesn't look good. Like he he's looked he was he's looked noticeably bad when he's come on. And this is the other thing, right? So we know players take more than a year to get accustomed to sit, especially the defensive midfield. It's a, it's a tough role, right? It's not an easy it's not an easy role to for someone to jump into, especially like when you're deputizing probably the, one of the best defensive midfielders in the world, right? So. I get that, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But in saying all that, so when I've looked at other players that have taken a year to, you know, become what they sh- what their potential or what they what we bought them for. So like Grealish, for example, right? We bought him last year. He he wasn't fantastic, but he played a lot, and you've seen moments of brilliance. Do you know what I mean? Same thing with Rodri when he first came. Like you. You could see the vision of what he does and how, he, and you, and then he had a few games in there where it's like, okay, he's, he's really, really good, but he's not, he's not Fernandinho, and it's like, okay, maybe we need something else or we need to change something, and then Pep would adjust the lineup to do to fit Rodri, right? And then a year later, you just you go, I can't drop this player anymore, but I don't see it with Phillips. I don't see it. That's that's my issue right now. I don't see. It. I can't. Every time he's come on the field, exactly like you said, he looks slow. That's the scary part. He looks slow. And it's like, why did we buy him? What, what, where's his future in this team? Does he, does he have a future in the team? <clears throat> Do you think he has a future in this team? Do you think we keep him? Do you think we keep him next season? or do we, if, you, if you were cheeky, would you sell him this summer? Or would you give him another year just as another chance? I'm scared to go into next season if this is the level Phillips is going to be at. I'm scared as well because we're probably not going to have Gundogan. And Gundogan can play there. And he can do a fine. Like, he can do a job for a couple of games there. But if we're not going to have him next season, like, that's even more scary. I Honestly, I don't know. Like... I think that if City can field a decent offer from a team, like, I don't know, they're probably not going to get their money back, is my guess. So say you get $30 million for him when you paid $40, uh, and then you can go get Romeo Lavia for 40 do it. Like, 100%, go do it. Because so is, That's the thing, I don't think we can get Lavia for $40 million. Doesn't he have a buyback clause? Yeah, apparently it kicks in in 2024. Well, also remember that that team is getting relegated. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> so but to be that fair, might yeah, help. He, he does have a lot of suitors. Like a lot, of, a lot of teams are interested in him. And to be fair, he looked, he looked. We didn't even talk about him in in the Southampton review, but he was he was something else that game. So, 
Yeah, he's honestly, a, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like, it could be a thing where City might send some players Southampton's way, like send some more youth players. Like, I don't know. But I think that if I think that City would only entertain it if because they're like they're, they don't do that. Like, they don't just sell a guy after a year that they just bought. And so yeah. I think the only way they would do that is if one, there's just something really wrong. Like there's just something very wrong or if they know they can get a replacement, like someone like Lavia, but there's not many of those guys like they're like, how many guys are you going to get? That would be a good backup number six that are okay with being the backup. There's not many of them. I don't think Lavia would actually want to come back and be Rodri's backup. That's my, my opinion. If you're, if you're, he's what, 20, 19, Right? He's starting every game in the Premier League. He's definitely starting material. What? Why would he come back to City to deputize Rodri? So that, and that's why Phillips was kind of like the perfect buy. He wanted to move to a big club. And he's at that age profile where he does fit being a backup and being good at a backup. His levels are so much lower than Rodri. And look, it could be because of the injury issues that he had to be like to be fair to him. Yeah, he, he was out for most of the beginning of the season with that shoulder injury. But then but then, you know, Pep was complaining about him being overweight. And it's like so and he just hasn't hasn't had I think I looked at his minutes before this game, it was like he's played like 180 minutes all season. Yeah, I, I think with Lavia like with looking at him and then looking at Lavia, like I think Lavia would actually come back because he is 19. And what other team is he going to go for and play in like every game? Like you're going to go to 12th place Chelsea and play behind Enzo Fernandez, or are you going to go to like you can't go? Are you going to go to United play behind Casemiro? So he's going to have to play behind somebody. He can play next to Rodri. Like I think their skill set is different enough to where he can play next to Rodri. And he's like he's young. He's way younger than Rodri, so like he can still come in the team and further develop. And he's played under Pep before. He's so familiar with the system that he probably knows. Like, listen, I can go to City and develop for a couple of years, and then if I want to go somewhere else, I can. If not, maybe Rodri starts getting older and he gets more playing time. Like you just you just never know. But I think it's good to have somebody that's just familiar with the system and mm-hmm. like. Honestly, I City did not want to get rid of him from what I know. It's just that they didn't feel comfortable giving an 18-year-old, because I'm pretty sure he's 18, maybe he just turned 19. They didn't feel comfortable like having to rely on him that much. Like maybe if he was 20, they may have, but that's kind of why they did their their sell with a buyback option is because they knew they know how good he is. Like they, they really do. Um, okay. I, I got a question for you then. Yeah. So, and we're talking about Calvin Phillips now and you know, how exactly how he looked against Leicester was, was not good. So we've got Bayern Munich midweek. Then we've got the FA cup semifinal against Sheffield. And then we've got Arsenal right after that. Do you start Phillips in the semifinal? Probably not. <laughs> like, see that 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 to me tells you everything about Phillips, in a sense, right? If if 
if we're not confident to start Phillips in an FA Cup semi-final uh, against a championship team between a Bayern Munich away game and a potential title deciding game against Arsenal, right? To give your to give your talisman defensive midfielder um, in Rodri and a, a week's rest between two big games, then what's he doing in the team? Do you know what I mean? But look, that's to me is probably the biggest, the biggest main thing against keeping Phillips. If we can't trust him now. When are we going to trust him? So I, I, I'd put it like this: is like that is probably the most important position on the field. Like Agreed. when when the six plays bad, it is noticeable, like very noticeable, right? And so. Rodri had to play there basically his entire first year because Laporte tore his ACL in like the second game and Fernandinho had to play center back. But or else like Rodri would not have gotten that many games. He would have been eased in a little better. Right? And it was noticeable that year. Everybody like hated Rodri after the first year. So Yeah, I remember that. But but to be fair, like, to be fair to that season, like you said, Laporte was out. We had two center backs and Fernandinho was playing center back. Benedini is not a center back. So, like, we just had so many other issues going on that season, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, I that's such an important position, and Rodri had to play that position. Like, there was no choice. Like, he had to play there in his first he, year. He got the so, time that he needed. Yeah. And so I, I just don't know if this is something, like, Phillips just needs to learn more. Or, like, I just don't know. I feel like, I feel like if there's rumors that cities, like, that some people are looking at him already, like, there wouldn't be those rumors if City was perfectly fine with him. Or City would shoot down those rumors immediately. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that mm. stuff just doesn't get leaked out. For, and I know it hasn't really been from City side. It's been from other people. Like, oh, West Ham is interested in him, right? And that's all because they know, hear, but losing, like they know they're losing Declan Rice most likely this season. Maybe <laughs> that's another thing is like they're going to want too much money, and I don't know who's going to pay. So, any th- that's another story. But regardless, like they want Calvin Phillips, so or the, at least it's come out that they want Calvin Phillips. Like if somebody's not for sale, you don't hear those stories. Like you don't hear United want to buy Kevin De Bruyne. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, City would never sell him in a million years. You only hear stuff about people that City may be willing to sell or somebody who may be on the market. Yeah, it's like putting feelers out to see if anyone is interested. Yeah, like we heard about it for years for Raheem Sterling. And that's because it you kind of got indications Sterling may want to leave. And he tells his agent and they put it out. Like there's, you're just not going to hear it about somebody who doesn't want to leave and and will never leave. So I honestly, I have no idea what, what's going to happen, but um, he essentially like the most important thing for him now is to like put in the work every day at practice. Really? Like that's what you have to do because probably not going to get much game time the rest of the year. So you're going to have to like really impress during training and show that you belong and if you want to stay and fight, then more power to him. 
Like I hope he I hope he does succeed at City. Like I I think he's a really good player. I don't like there's if he does leave this summer, I just think there's something else going on that we don't know and that like we might not know until the season ends. Like it might be a story that somebody from the athletic writes two months after he leaves that like, oh, he was really distant from the team and you know, who knows? Who knows what it is? But yeah, I feel like there's gotta be an external factor because I do think like his skill set is good enough to play at City. I just really? don't know. Yeah. Like, there's got to be something external as to why it hasn't worked. Look, I, th- I think if he stays, I, I, my opinion, I think he will stay. I think we've just got too much stuff to do in the transfer market, and, I, and we'll segue into that in a, in a second. But I feel like we've got too much to do on top of finding a replacement for Phillips. So I think they'll keep him for one more year, and then if that doesn't work within a year, then they'll. They'll, they'll sell. They'll sell next season, not this season. I don't think this is the right summer to do that. Yeah, I like. I would err on that side just because I don't think that that's how City run themselves. Like they don't run themselves to just buy somebody and sell them a year later. That's why I think the only reason if he were to be sold this summer is if there was something really wrong. Like if Pep just said, "Like get this guy out of here." Like maybe he doesn't have the work ethic. Maybe he doesn't. Whatever. Yeah. Like it could yeah, be. It could, it could literally be a million things. Remember, like John Stones was crap for like two, three years, and now he's one of the best center backs in the world. One of the most complete. Like, and it was we didn't really know until later. Like he had a really tough time going through a divorce, and none of us knew that. But like Stones, legitimately was crap for two, three years. Yeah, like yeah, that's he had, why we. He had mental health issues, I think, and had a lot yeah, of like he, issues. He, then he had injury issues on top that just added all. But, but to be fair with Stone, you knew the quality was there. If you know what I mean, like you could see. Yeah, it, but he was like potential. Yeah, but you can see that with Phillips too. Like you can <laughs> when, see that when, he is. When have you seen that with Phillips? He can, man. He can. I seen it at Leeds. I seen it at Leeds. I haven't. I haven't seen it at City. <laughs> well, the difference also is like Stones was what twenty one when he came to City. That's, 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 was that's the other thing. That's the other thing, right? He was, Stones was young, so you knew he had potential and potential plus, you know, he he had the talent, so you knew he had the potential to get somewhere. With Phillips, he's established. He doesn't have potential. He sh- that, and that's why we bought him. It's like you come in, you deputize for Rodri, and you're ready to go. That, that's what that, that's what I thought we were getting, but. And this is my problem with it. We're not getting that. And it's so frustrating. But look, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. It's going to be interesting, I think. Yeah, I I think too, like, he's still going to need time to deputize. Like, we bought Jack Grealish when he was 25. And he's like, it just takes time in the... Like, basically, if he gets back to his level at Leeds, that's a win, right? Obviously, it's like, hopefully he gets past that level. But... Yeah. If he gets back to that level, like that's that's a good player for City, and so you don't really he doesn't need to show a ton of promise. He just needs to show us what he showed in the past, and I think like you know, like I said, you don't know what's going on. I think my point of bringing up Stones was more of you don't know what's going on in their life that affects them. Yeah, like there's a, yeah, there's a million that's things. That's fair. 
Um, to, to move on a bit from Calvin Phillips and we'll wrap up the Leicester game, who was your man of the match? <laughs> this is an interesting one. <laughs> Honestly, it's really hard for me to choose because it's like, it's more of just like man of the first half. I would probably, <laughs> yeah, probably Holland, I guess. Like, I don't really know. Everybody was pretty fine. You know what I mean? Like, uh, or Rodri. Not- Rodri was very good. I'm going to give it to Edison. Yeah, for keeping us in the game. Yeah, literally, right? Like, you made some... Like, for a game that we're meant to be cruising, he made some vital saves and some vital moves in the box to to stop us from going down or, like, you know, getting a draw or something like that. That last 10 minutes was crazy. I, I was saying to you before this, I was, like, half asleep <laughs> up until the 75th minute mark and then Leicester scored and had another shot off the post and then Edison had a fantastic one-on-one save with Madison. It was like... What just happened? <laughs> it's crazy. And that was a really good save, by the way. Like, he oh, looked very save. disciplined in staying in his box rather than just coming out because that's what he does. Like, he likes yeah. to rush out and looks like that's really been coached into yeah. him for the last couple of weeks of, like, no one to go and no one to stay and, like, really no spatial awareness. The Edison of old would have rushed out to Madison, probably tripped him over, got a penalty, got a red card, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this new Edison seems a lot more disciplined than he said. Yeah, and I, I love to see it. I love to see it, so. Yeah, that's no, good, it's great. We need that Edison for the for the Champions League, and little little um little segue into the, into the Champions League. How are you feeling for the Bayern second league? I mean, I feel fair, as confident as you can feel going into Bayern at 3-0. I think the most important thing is to get a goal there. Like, if you okay. get a goal there, I don't think City's letting in four goals. I just don't. So yeah. I think the the first 10 to 15 minutes is the most important. Like, you cannot let them score in the first 10 to 15 minutes because then it's like an avalanche. Gonna, yeah, they're going to go hard in that first 10 minutes. We, we have to... Weather we the storm. Weather the storm that's going to come in the first 15 minutes. Because they're going to go all out. And the good thing is, if we keep a clean sheet in the first 15 to 20 minutes, then it's going to open up for us because they're going to waste a lot of their energy going really, really, really hard in that first 15 minutes. So Yeah, you just got to settle the game um, and, and just nick one back. Just get yeah. one back. Just get one somehow... I, I think that's what we can. It, the way I think about it is, I'm looking at it like when we went to Liverpool, or no, when we came back to the Etihad after losing to Liverpool three 0 right. We scored in the first like two minutes. Yeah, the Jesus goal, and then you're thinking, okay, this is on now, and the crowd yeah. is behind you, and then we got robbed of the Sane goal. But yeah. cheers, Lahoz. <laughs> yeah, like if it wasn't for that. It's three two at halftime, and then it's like it's Open on game. Yeah, it's forty five yeah. minutes for a one nil. So yeah, so that's that's what you need to avoid in the beginning is just don't let them jump on you. And essentially, like you have to kind of kill their mentality because it seems like that team is not like they seemed fragile at the end of the city game, and you just got to keep it on, like keep your foot on their throat. Because they seemed much more fragile in, like, they they really looked rattled. And so we need to just keep rattling them at Bayern. 
and just kind of be stubborn, play good defense, and then go nick one back. And I, I think it's very doable. Like, and I think honestly, like how City played today is actually helpful because Pep actually has something like can lay into them. Like, look, Leicester is probably going to get relegated, and they almost came back to tie us because you dropped your levels for twenty minutes. Like, think about that. So yeah, it's a good that, point. Like, so now going into Bayern, you got to know. You can't drop your level, and they know this from other Champions League games. Like, you can't drop your level for five minutes, or they could come back. And so, I think that actually, I think that helps a lot, and I think it's good that everybody who needed rest got it. Um, yeah, that, I so, think that was very important because that buying game was very, very taxing. So, and I'm sure this one's going to be just as taxing. So, to be able to rotate and to be able to get a f- bit of rest in the legs before the game, it is an away game, and Champions League, anything can happen. So I'm always wary. You know, I'm, I'm never confident. Even with a 3-0 lead, you're not confident. Anything can happen in Champions League. We've seen, I've seen some madness. You know, just go back a couple of years. Liverpool, Barcelona, Liverpool. Barcelona up 3-0 at half time at, at the first leg from at home. Go to Anfield, they lose 4-0. Like, shit happens, man. I've seen it with PSG against Barcelona. We've seen it so many times. We've seen Madrid nick two goals in three minutes against us. Like, it happens. So... Like you said, we got to go in the right mentality. I feel like we need to nick a goal. I don't think. I don't think we should go into the game with a mentality of, oh, let's get a nil or a draw or a one nil loss and let's get out of there. If we go in with that mentality, we've lost the game, I reckon, and it's going to be a very very tough day. So we need to go in there and just literally go in with a mentality to win. And I think Pep's really good at that, so I don't think we'll have that issue because Pep is generally generally the type where he's like, no, I try to win every game. Um, I think we'll be a bit more conservative just just in terms of like weathering the storm. Um, It'll be similar to when we go away at Anfield, I think. You know, when we go away at Anfield and that first to 10, 15 minutes, we're just passing it around, trying to weather any any, any shenanigans storm, Anfield storms, and then then we get ourselves into the game. I think it'll be be very similar to that. That's how I feel the game will go. Yeah, I I think so too. And you just need to, I think... The, the biggest thing is at halftime, if the three-goal cushion is still there, I'm much happier because yeah, this team is a younger-ish team, and like some of them have won the Champions League, but not all of them. And the one thing you want to do is you don't want to give them hope like because if you give them hope, that's a little different. So, But if they're down, if they still need three goals by halftime, they're much more deflated. But if it's they're a, down it's, it's one over. or two, yeah, it's over. Yeah, if, if they're if, down if, one or two, they think, "Oh, we got this." Yeah, exactly. And look, and I think if we score early, if we score in the first twenty minutes, I think it's over as well. Um, they'll just get deflated, and it'll just be about managing managing the game from there. I think, like you said, they're not going to come back with four goals. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Score I, prediction? We just need get a goal. Score prediction. I'm gonna go. One one. Ooh. Yeah, I'll go with that. One one all. Let's go one all. I was close last time. I remember, I predicted three one, and it was mm. three nil. Mm. So we thought Bayern would get a goal, but uh, Daddy Diaz, man. <laughs> yeah the 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 defense was just monstrous. So, yeah. um, I 
Yeah, I'm hoping for, I think, 1-1. One, one yeah. Champions League is a game of fine margins. Like, Bayern could have easily had a, a goal in that first league. Like, very, very easily. They had a couple of good chances. Things go wrong a little bit. You, you considered a goal. We go into this league 3-1. The leg looks completely different. So, let's just go with a 1-1. Hopefully, we get out of there with a, with a nice win. And then into the FA Cup final. Uh, semi-final on the weekend. Um, let's talk about a bit of transfers. So, hey, Jude. How are you feeling? I mean, how can I not feel confident? So it seems pretty nailed on that Liverpool's not in this anymore. Like everybody, even Jurgen Klopp said it. Um, so I, they're obviously out of it. Now it's essentially between either City, Real Madrid, or he's staying again, right? And he'll stay for another season, either renew his contract or wind it down and be out of contract in a year and have more suitors next year. Um, and I guess they said United has an outside chance, but they're, they're not a serious club. So I'm not really worried about them. Um, I feel pretty confident. Like how can you not? It's an English player. So I think city has that advantage over real Madrid in that way. And you never know what real Madrid are doing. Like, are Cruz and Modric leaving after this year? We, we don't know. And City, like, he's not going to get a better pitch than City, quite honestly. Like, City are going to be in need of midfielders, so there's playing time right away. He is a world-class player playing under the best coach in the world, one of the best coaches of all time, who is known for developing that young talent and making them into world-class players. So... At that point, like, it's kind of on him. If he doesn't want to come for whatever and, – and on top of that, City seem willing to pay whatever to get him. So, like, the money is not an issue. I'm sure the wages aren't an issue. So, essentially – and he's also played with just about everyone on our team, either through Dortmund or for the national team. That's, like, more than half the team, it seems like. So – Really, it's like it's kind of up to him. It's like, if he wants to come, like it's the perfect situation for him. I really don't know what other situation would be better for him in a footballing sense. So we're gonna know a lot about him and his team and what's important to them. Because if it's important to them to be a Liverpool fanboy, then you're gonna wait till next year, and Liverpool's gonna try to get you on the cheap again. And who knows? That might work. It might not. We don't know. But if your goal is to win trophies and to develop in the best player that you can possibly be, it's really not a debate on where he would go this summer. Like it's not a debate. So um, kind of it's in his hands at this point. It seems like City's in pole position, as it was said this morning by Simon Mullock. City feel very confident, and in that way, I feel pretty confident just because. You know, City are, it seems like Jude's camp is giving nothing away. So really all we have to roll with is how City view it because they're the ones talking to Jude's camp. And if City feel confident, so do I. Yeah, City City seem to be moving on this in quiet terms, I'd say. Like, so that they haven't really made noise. So Liverpool were the, the noise makers on this transfer. And, you know, every, every second day you'd hear some 
you know, Liverpool insider saying, oh, he's going to come, he's definitely coming. And you had Jamie Carragher on TV saying, yeah, he's definitely coming. And then and then suddenly they shut it down. So they said, we don't want to pay. And it's interesting, right? So it's, it's weird. It's like you really thought Jude Bellingham was going to go for less than £120 million. Like he was always going to go for that price. Why are you guys acting surprised? And that to me, to me, when I look from an outside perspective, especially when it comes to teams like Liverpool, Madrid, Bayern, uh, United, it's all about the optics of how it looks in the media, right? They don't like looking, they don't like, they don't like the, it looking like Bellingham chose City over Liverpool, right? They don't like that look. So I think Liverpool actually got news from Jude's camp Right, saying we don't want to come to Liverpool, we're gonna to go to City or we're gonna go somewhere else, right? And so Liverpool went into damage control and released statements that we can't afford him. And straight away you're the, the fans are lapping it up, oh we can't afford, we can't compete, and then Klopp in the interviews in, in recent media interviews has said, you know, we, we can't we can't we can't compete with these with these teams and you know, like you know, we compared him to a Ferrari and it's like we can't have everything we want. It's like Liverpool makes the third most money in Europe or fourth most money in Europe, right? They, they had record numbers of revenue this season. This season. They've paid highest wages in the Premier League last season. Like, them keep selling this to their fans is a disservice to their own fans. But this is typical of how these clubs operate. You know, Liverpool, Man United, they don't like looking... Even Madrid, right? When, when Haaland signed for City, what was the first thing that came out of the Madrid camp? It was... We couldn't afford him. We couldn't compete on the wages. And it's the same thing happening now with Liverpool. Oh, we can't compete on the transfer fee. You know, we've got a bigger squad rebuild, which is fair. They do, and that's fine. But to spin it that way is typical Liverpool, typical Man United, typical Real Madrid. They do not like looking bad in the media. They would never want it out there that Jude Bellingham actually chose a different club over their club especially with the way they were like chasing him. And this is the thing, right? If Liverpool, if Liverpool knew Jude Bellingham was choosing them and they were 100% sure, they wouldn't have done all this media bullshit with like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jordan Henderson, Jamie Carragher, Steven Gerrard. They're all selling their souls out on TV, on the radio and, and wherever they're bloody going, right? They wouldn't be selling their souls just to try to get Bellingham in. They wouldn't need to convince him. He would have already been convinced, right? So to them, for them to spin it that it's a money issue is total BS. That's my opinion. In my opinion, I think it's he's actually chosen a different club. He doesn't want to go to Liverpool. And I don't blame him. Why would you go to Liverpool? Right now, they're a shambles. They're not in the Champions League, right? They're not going to make Europe next season, right? They've always got money issues in inverted commas, right? Where their owners don't want to spend or don't want to invest in the squad, so why would Jude Bellingham want to go into a midfield where he knows he has to bloody carry it every single game just to stay at the highest level? But the flip side of that is you could go to Manchester City, you pay for, like you said, one of the best managers of all time, one of the best managers when it comes to midfielders, right? So something that's really, really, not many people have talked about about Pep Guardiola when, when he's trying to attract someone like Jude Bellingham is, Jude Bellingham is a midfielder and Pep improves midfielders. Look at Rodri, look at Kevin De Bruyne, look at David Silva. David Silva was fantastic for us for years, but he looked even better under 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 Pep Guardiola. So for me, 
if I'm a midfielder, I'm a young midfielder, who am I choosing as my next manager? If I, were, if I had a choice between the, the, the big clubs in the world, am I going to Carlo Ancelotti, who might not even be at Madrid next season? Am I going to Manchester City, who have Pep Guardiola? Or am I going to Liverpool, who has Jurgen Klopp? Jurgen Klopp's a fantastic manager, but he doesn't. He's not. A, he's not a midfielder coach. He bypasses the midfield most games. He goes straight over the top to his forwards. His midfielders are usually destroyers in midfield, right? They did that. Win the ball back, move the ball on type of midfielders, right? So if you want to be one of the best midfielders in the world, go fucking play for Pep Guardiola, right? That's my opinion, right? Maybe I'm a bit biased. I am a City fan and I am a Pep Guardiola fan. But in, in my mind, that's where you'd want to go, right? So Liverpool spinning this in the media, right? And then basically putting... Um, 25 reports out there that we can't afford him. And basically, all they all came at the same time. So you had Paul Joyce, Maddock, Melissa Reddy. Like, you had literally every every single Liverpool reporter that has any ounce of um, integrity in, in or reliability in, the, in, that, in, that, in that field came out exactly with the same report at the same time. So it was embargoed, you could tell, and it came out at the exact same time. So... So the way I look at it, the way I look at it is like he might have told Liverpool no. I think Liverpool is probably still in the race. And okay, the one thing I will say is just like you said, it is absolutely bullshit for them to think that Jude was costing less than a hundred million or a hundred twenty million. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew this for years. Okay, and they did too. And you think like. They've been on this Jude train for over for years now. So they would know. They're not stupid. Okay. I like they they knew how much this would cost. This is PR. Like that's all it is. It's PR. And if you think any differently, then you're just naive. The difference is they didn't think that their squad was gonna need this much turnover this year. Because they have they have nobody to sell, really. For any type of profit, like people are going to leave on freeze or whatever. There's nobody really to sell for any type of profit. And they like they would need to spend 250. Like if they had Jude, they would need to spend 250 to 300 million this summer in transfer fees. And they could do that. Like financially, they feasibly could do that. But we know from Fenway Sports Group that they won't do that. And that is the difference. So I think Jude probably had them still in the mix. Now, whether he chose them or not, that's a different story. But then essentially Liverpool looked at it and said, look, we will not pay 120, 130, 140 million for this guy when we're going to need to spend another 150 elsewhere. And they will, they like they do. If like it would have been, incredibly poor planning for them to just buy Jude and maybe buy one other guy. And that's it. Like their squad would have been even worse. So they need the turnover and they know that it's just like they're unwilling to spend that money. And so they effectively couldn't afford Jude anymore because they, or they weren't willing to spend that for Jude. Now, whether that's down to Jude or Liverpool, we don't know because there are reports that, they submitted like an 80 million pound bid for him. That might be true. And they might just say like, hey, Jude, 
try to force your way out of Dortmund and say, I will go nowhere but Liverpool. And Jude wasn't willing to do that. I, I disagree. I actually think, look, and it, it's different with, so most transfers work in pretty similar way, right? But when it comes to these big transfers like Jude Bellingham, Erling Haaland, Mbappe, whatever, right? These massive transfers that happen. I can't sit here and say Jude hasn't chosen someone yet. I think he's chosen. It's way mid-April. The window opens in a month, right? So the season's done in a month. He would have chosen already because, you know, they want to be prepared for next season. And I think most of the groundwork is done in terms of choice. I don't think like... And it's the same thing with Haaland. Like up, up until February or March last year, you know, you, there was a report every second day that Madrid are going to sign him or, you know, someone else's favourites or something like that. But in reality, these players and their, and their teams, especially from the sounds of uh, Bellingham's team, they'll be choosing, they'll be choosing nice and early. And they have, they have the ability to choose nice and early, right? So, and we know Dorman. Dorman's pretty good in terms of setting a fee, saying this is our evaluation, go with it, and that's it, right? So if they've chosen the evaluation, all the clubs involved know the valuation, and then it's just about matching the valuation and then convincing the player. In my mind, I think the convincing of the player has already happened. That's how I look at it. And I think Liverpool backed off because of that, and they blamed money. And then they've done that in the past. They always blame money. It's their go-to for everything that goes wrong for them. Oh, we don't have the money to compete. We can't compete with these type of clubs. No, it's had, bu- yeah, that's bullshit. It's fucking that's bullshit. bullshit. It's bullshit. And and but Liverpool fans lap it up. I had a massive argument with my with one of my Liverpool friends yesterday, saying he's saying that we can't compete because we don't sell. We have to sell players to buy players, and I'm like, that's not how it works. It does not work. You don't need to sell players to buy players. That's not exactly how it works. You're not you're not Monaco or Dortmund where your business model is or your football club model is based around selling players, you make 600 million plus in revenue. Your your model is being one of the big fish in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the lake. You know what I mean? You're one of the big fish. You spend like one of the big fish. You have one of the highest wage bills in the Premier League. That's how you compete. A transfer fee is a small part of a club's financials at the end of the day. So for me, that whole side is just BS. But... In, like with all the information that you know we have right now and the way Liverpool pulled out and that media statement to me says the decision's been done and now it's just about the optics of getting the deal done and timing of getting the deal done. City are not bullish in the market. They're not the type to, to release, you know, feed journalists to say Jude's coming. They're not the type to do that. They like to, you know, you've seen how most transfers go with City, right? They work under the market, you hear news, little news from little sources outside of the, like the journalist um, bubble, and then you you kind of get an idea of what they're trying to do, but they don't actually release anything out there, and that's what makes me even more confident. Because if we're not interested in a player, they do release things, and we're not interested in this player. It's bullshit. We've seen it with Bruno Fernandes, I think, a couple of years, three years ago, maybe now, um, where. Um, you know, a few journalists said, "Oh, we're really interested in, in Bruno Fernandes," and that was the that was the rumors out of Portugal. And then we, and then suddenly, City released a statement or like a 
they released to every single journalist out there, no, we are not interested in Bruno Fernandes and never have been, right? So for me, that's where I'm, I'm a bit confident. And, and that's why Dortmund kind of like how City do work. Like like I said last year with Haaland, we didn't, no one said anything about City with Haaland. It was all Madrid. They were making all the noise that they're going to sign. You ask anyone in January 20, 2022 or prior to January 2022, where's Haaland going? They'll say they'll say Madrid. I even used to say Madrid. I used to think, yeah, he's going to Madrid. Like that's that's every every news source is saying that. But that's typical of Madrid, how they do business. And Liverpool generally work in silence, which was why it was surprising how much emphasis was on them saying we're interested in Jude Bellingham. And for them not to land him after all that noise kind of tells you what how things are going, if you know what I mean. It's yeah, inter- look, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting in my mind. I think I said a couple podcasts ago that Liverpool's squad was in need of surgery and Jude Bellingham is a Band-Aid. And that's essentially like, Correct. sounds like sounds like Liverpool's owners agree with me. Um, and they just aren't willing to pair spending that much on Jude Bellingham and getting other players, which, they, like I they, said, they're they probably capable... Yeah, they're capable of doing it. It's just that they're unwilling to do it, I think. Yeah. So these are the owners that let uh, go of um I don't follow baseball, but maybe you do. But then they let it go of like an MVP caliber player. Um, oh, multiple Boston. times. Yeah. Multiple so then, times. It, that's it. That's that's what they do. Like it's uh, Liverpool fans should not be surprised. This is their model. They don't, Red they Sox don't like fans to- are they hate FSG because of this. Like every time they get a really good player and it's time to pay this player, it's like, no, he just got traded. And, yeah. and, and the ba- that's baseball how they model, work. Yeah, the baseball model is similar to football in terms of you can pay whatever you want in terms of... It's not, it's not, a, it's not a salary cap or anything like that. You can just pay whatever you want for a player and if he wants to come. So come. there's a light salary cap, I think, but it's not really a salary cap. The difference is there's no transfer fees in baseball. Like, yeah. you just... They either become a free agent or you trade things for them. You trade yeah. players or draft picks or whoever. But um, essentially, like baseball players per year probably make more than everyone else. Like they make like the top ones make over $50 million a year because yeah. there's no salary cap. And so FSG is unwilling to spend that. And also, like the Boston Red Sox make a ton of money. Because yeah, they're, they're, the one of, they're, one, they're one of the biggest teams, aren't they? So it's similar. It's the same yeah. thing. It's it, it, they've literally got the same model running at the Boston Red Sox that they do at Liverpool. Liverpool Football Club make a ton of money, right? They I think they made five hundred ninety million in twenty twenty two financial year, right? So they made a killing. I think they're only behind Man City in terms of like revenue at, at the top. Um, so. To me, for them to say we can't afford or we can't compete with these clubs, rubbish. Chelsea, right? Who and and this is the thing where it comes people saying, "Oh, it's all about oil money or um, you know money owners dumping money." But Chelsea just got bought by an American owner. He dumped six hundred million into their club. Obviously, it's not going to work the way he wanted it to because it's going really, really badly. And I think they're going to have a fire sale this summer, which probably have to do a whole separate podcast on. Um, but that shows he had the willing to spend the money. It's all about willingness. City are willing to spend the money when, when the time comes. And they're very smart about how they spend the money. So they take those risks. And where I think our team 
right now is at the point where we can we can have that hundred million outlay on a player because we don't need much in our team. We've got the established players. We've got Haaland. We've got Julian Alvarez. We've got Grealish. We've got Phil Foden. We've got these young players, young profile of players. Where we can we can we can say go spend one hundred thirty million on a player. It's fine. Yeah, and we're selling a bunch of guys anyways. Yeah, so that too. like we're we're gonna sell off fifty to seventy five million in youth players. Plus Bernardo may leave. Gundogan's wages are off the book. Laporte. Looks like Laporte may leave. Cancelo. So like there's Cancelo may leave. So like there's all of these different uh, it's, but avenues. And we've been very financially disciplined in the last five years. So they have the money to spend anyways. Yeah. And and, and look, Liverpool's similar, right? They've got a bunch of players rolling off their books this summer. So Keita's gone. Um, Ox and Chamberlain's gone. Milner's most likely gone. Firmino's gone. So they've got a bunch of plays rolling off, which means they've but got... they have no transfer spend. fees, though. They have no, no assets no. that are of any value. That's yeah, but, the but, difference. But like Keita, right, who signed a five-year contract five years ago at a 60, 60 million transfer fee, that's 12 million a year in amortization, right? So that's rolling off the books, right? So your amortization goes down. That's what I'm saying. Like you can, They can afford to spend, but they're not willing to. Their owners like to moneyball things right and that's their that's their model they just like to you know cheap out but the foot so and this is where liverpool I, I used to say this in 2017 2018 2016 they lucked into a lot of players so you're not finding a muhammad salah for 30 million you're not finding a sadio mane for 30 million right you're not signing a fabinho for 40 million those players are not coming along anymore Teams know, especially the Premier League, know that teams are willing to spend really big money now for for average players. The, the thirty and they, million they have a completely different. They have a completely different sporting director and scouting department than back then as well. They lost their last so sporting like, director. He left. He actually resigned after like six months in the role. So I think it was it was Ward. No, it was Edwards. He left. Ward took over. Right, he stayed in the role for six months and said, "Fuck this, I'm out." That is very telling. So I've I've heard what Liverpool fans have said, and they've said I, they think he realized the budget he had to work with, and he said, "I'm not doing this. I'm just gonna it's gonna make me look bad." Because I know yeah, it's, like, possible. it's it's, it's possible. possible to have a good scouting department and get good deals. Like look at fucking Brightman, Brighton, and Dortmund. yeah, but that's their that's their like model. That. That's their model, right? Liverpool can't do that model. Yeah, that's the thing is like you need to have scouts that are a level above everyone else and they don't. So like you're just kind of going to have to get lucky on some players, but also like you're relying heavily on Jurgen Klopp as well because Jurgen Klopp is a great coach. So you're relying on him to get the best out of these players. And also like you're not like – they're more reactive than they are proactive. Like this turnover probably should have happened a year or two ago for them to keep their levels. And they didn't do that. And now they're stuck with like Fabinho looks done at 29 years old. That's and they have strange. all these, and they have all these old assets. They signed Tiago who was already injury prone before they got there. And like, so they, that this is the problem is that they're more reactive than they are proactive. And they've been this way for a while. Like, Virgil van Dyke was a reactive signing because their defense was shit. 
Allison was a reactive signing because Carius and Minulay were shit. <laughs> so like that's the that's kind of how they've conducted their business. The city do it in a more proactive sense, and yeah, they we, do it more in a reactive sense. Yeah, we look at our squad in advance and say, okay, we need like the Rodri signing is a perfect example of looking ahead. Fernandinho is 35, 34 years old at the time. We're going to need a defensive midfielder. We tried John Gino the year before, and then we went for Rodri the year after. So they're all very proactive about getting a defensive midfielder in early. Um, Bernardo Silva, same thing. David Silva replacement, same thing. <laughs> we've always been we've always been proactive, which is good. And this is where Liverpool failed to to build their squad properly, I think. And this is probably what they did wrong this season. You know, them going to this season without a midfielder, they were trying to go for Chuchamani, um, but Madrid came in over the top and he chose he chose Madrid. But to have all your eggs in that one basket, mm, not not a very very good good idea from Liverpool. Um, and they did the same thing with with Jude Bellingham, by the looks of it. And then he, I think he's chosen a different club, so he's not going to Liverpool. Yeah, so let's see where that goes. But it seems like we're both fairly confident that this may get done. And especially, like you said, he may have chosen already. I don't really know. But City normally don't say they feel confident unless they feel pretty confident. Like, when was the last time they felt confident and didn't get the player? Probably Harry Kane. And Harry Kane didn't force his way out the way he probably should have. Yeah, Harry, that's, that's what happens when you have your brother um, who doesn't have any as your agent as your agent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So other than that, generally, when they feel confident about somebody, and here there's like we said, there's no real hurdles to go with the actual team. Like it's we don't really have a hurdle to go with Dortmund, where Dortmund's unwilling to sell or anything like that. It seems like they have a good working relationship because City do business a certain way, and Dortmund appreciate that. So. There's really no hurdles with the team. It is, and there's probably no hurdles with Jude and, and like his wages. It's just, hey Jude, do you want to come? It's basically it. Yep, come play for the best manager in the world, who we know improves midfielders. That's how I look at it. So, <laughs> improve he improves everyone, not yeah. just midfield. Like yeah, so yeah, uh, feels confident. Uh, you know, we'll talk about this stuff as developments happen but that is where we are as of today i think i think we'll hear something early may is my thinking that we'll know where jude bellingham is actually going to end up if he's going to stay at Dortmund, if he's going to end up at madrid or if he's going to come to city but my prediction right now is he will be a city player come next season that's my prediction i think so too and i think also another thing is i think it was fabrizio romano said within the last couple days that City have zero interest in Alexis McAllister. Yeah, that's very telling and, for me. Yeah, because I feel like he would have been the backup signing because he would have been a really expensive midfielder, and I don't think City is spending 80 to $90 million plus on two midfielders. So I think we did on I the, think tra- I, we did on the yeah, transfer I, pod, right? We said it's, either, it's Vega, Bellingham, slash McAllister, and then like Kovacic or something like that. Right, so yeah. So I think that the fact that Fabrizio Romano said, "Yeah, City's not in this race. There have been no contacts with City and McAllister's camp." That tells me that they are very confident with Jude, or maybe Jude has already chosen them. And like, 
I think we saw it in Pep's press conference too. He has the worst poker face and <laughs> they asked him about Jude and he was smiling the whole time. He kept saying no comment and I'm not going to, he's like, you already know, I'm not going to answer that. But you could tell from his smirk, like he, he has a terrible poker face. <laughs> yeah. Pep gets giddy about new, new players. <laughs> you can tell. So yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm confident and I think we should, Ended on that, man. Like that's 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 where we'll leave it, and we'll come back to it, I guess, in a couple of weeks when I'm sure we will hear some more news. It, generally, around this time of the year, you you start, especially the big transfers like Jude Bellingham, who's gonna be the biggest transfer of this window. I think. I don't think we'll have. But you never know. <laughs> There's always surprises in transfer windows, but I don't see like anyone like Mbappe moving, or um, maybe Messi might move, but Jude Bellingham's gonna be the the headline transfer. So. We hear something very, very early in the in the window. Is my is my bet? Probably, yeah. If not earlier. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up for then. It was a uh, great talking, and hope everybody enjoys the podcast. If you want to find us, um, our Gmail, you can email us any comments or or reviews at the Pep Talk MCFC at gmail.com. or you can tweet at us at Pep Talk Pod MCFC, and. Uh, We hope to talk to you soon. See you guys. Bye.